Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Startup Communication Podcast. My name is Karina. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Startup Communication. We are an agency for fast-growing companies. And today we're talking about a very important topic. It's brand building for startups. And we have an absolute expert here. Her name is um, Victoria Gesman. She's the founder of Phoenix Brands. And I'm really excited to talk to her about how to build up a brand. What are the specifics about that? And what challenges do you face as a founder? Hi, Karina. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being a fan of my um, yeah very morbid slogan <laughs> I picked from my business. <laughs> No, no, don't be humble. So, of course, we want to know more about you, of course, you as a person and why you started uh, your own branding consultancy. Yeah, thank you. And I'm really happy to be here today and to talk to you. Thank you for the invitation. Um, it's always a huge pleasure to talk to people who are either on the startup side or growing their business, working as a, as a marketing person also in startups. And it's a very, uh, yeah, it's a great opportunity to um, share <laughs> from my experience because I do have a lot, you know. Um, well, my name is Victoria, as you just said. I'm, I would say I'm a strategist mostly. I'm also a feminist and I'm a founder of my own business. And I've been working on the startup side for a while. So I know uh, what it takes to build a startup from the ground up. I know the hustle and bustle. I know what to do. And I also know what not to do. <laughs> I have some experience in, in that field as well. So this is this is like the past. This is where I'm coming from, um, from that startup side. But then the pandemic hit and uh, changed things around for for me and for everybody else on the globe, I guess, as well. Um, well, our investors pulled out back then and uh, I lost my job from one day to the other, which was uh, quite heartbreaking, uh, to be very honest with you. Um, but I did not feel defeated at the moment yet. <laughs> um, so I decided to use that new time, that new opportunity of growth that was presented to me um, and start to pursue my own dream, my entrepreneurial dream and started my own business. So I founded my own brand consultancy and we are focused on helping early stage startups uh, grow thrive and succeed and you have probably heard yourself as well some heart shattering statistics um, that only two percent of all VC funding goes to women-led businesses and that is the one thing that really drives me that really motivates me and uh, my partner Rebecca at the Phoenix Brand Consultancy we're out here to help them we want them to succeed we want them to get the funding they need we want them to unleash the potential they have for society so this is kind of like the background um, that we're that i'm having and the unique perspective i'd say i have on the startup world so uh, this is uh, this is what i'm here to do and um we're really um yeah i'd say uniquely focused um, on marginalized founders and underrepresented founders and helping them build a really strong, memorable brand with razor-sharp positioning, uh, something that can be a huge asset for their business. And I think this is also the topic we're talking about today, isn't it, Karina? 
Yeah, definitely, because I want to know more about how you build up brands, especially since in my experience, a lot of startups, especially like early stage startups, they think of branding like, okay, now I need a logo. And then the second thing is that I need some colors for my website. And then I have my branding. Is that right? Or what do you say to these statements? Well, I think it depends where you're at in your journey, right? If you are in the idea stage and you're really out there trying to validate, is this, is this really an idea that we're having here and you're bootstrapping and you are on a limited budget date, by all means, do it yourself. <laughs> don't waste the time on it. Go out there. Don't focus too much on your branding as it comes. And um, so the visual part of, of your design, uh, honestly, it's not It's not a priority at that stage. So um, do it quick, do something, don't fall in love with it because you're going to change it later on. Mm -hmm. And there will be a time when you evolve, when you have validated your idea and now you're validating product market fit, right? You have an MVP, you're putting it out there, you're getting your first users, you're getting your first beta testers, having maybe a bigger fundraise. And uh, this, is, this is usually the time when it's... Um, It's about time to get a bit more serious about not just your brand positioning, so the inside um, of your brand, but also the outside of your brand, how you visually um, appear to the outside world. So this is about the time when I would suggest it's time to professionalize, to get more uh, focus on what it is that you really want to stand for, who those people really are that you want to attract, what it is that makes you actually different uh, different in the market and uh, how you're planning to go there, right? This is about the time that you will need some focus and clarity to move on. And this might be the time to like go back to the drawing board of brand. Right. And when... I'd say a new founder comes to you and says, okay, please, can you help me with my brand? What are like the first steps you are discussing together? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a difficult question, Karina, because brand is a very loaded word, right? When I say brand to you, what, what is it that you think about? What is a brand? Yeah, I think for me, it's like the whole vision and the values um, of the company, everything that really makes the company more human and gives it a face and differentiates from the others. But I think, yeah, as, as you said, um, there are, I can imagine there are a lot of different imaginations of what a brand really is. Exactly. This is part of the problem or, you know, part of the solution, depending if you're, if you're more of an optimist like I am. So the thing is, you see things not working, right? Um, and it's very easy to see things not working when they're visually, right? The branding side. And you're like, hmm, we feel like our branding does not reflect our company anymore. We feel like it's not professional enough. We feel like it doesn't give, a, you know, the right impression. That's, you know, that's one of the, um, like a symptom. Like when you're, when you're sick and this is like a symptom you see of like, hmm, uh, this person might need some branding work. And there's also symptoms for that person has some strategy issues, some positioning issues. It's when they come back and say, we're not attracting the right type of client or customer. Um, when we talk to them, they don't see why we're any better than the other solutions out there. Um, we're having our acquisition costs are really high and we don't know how to do um, 
yeah, how to do better. Or when they come back and see like we have a really strong competitor in the market and we do not know how to win against them, right? These are other symptoms that you can feel. And it's it takes a good doctor to say like, actually, this is a positioning issue. Because sometimes what startup founders do when they see issues like that, they throw a bunch of um, they throw a bunch of money at it and into um, marketing execution. Oh, maybe we just need a Twitter campaign and maybe we just need bigger posters and maybe we need to try something else, right? They go into tactics and try to solve the issue. But generally speaking, it might make more sense to go back and actually figure out what is causing these problems. And this might as well be a positioning problem. So the, there are two sides, right, of brand. There's brand strategy. It's the internal workings of the brand. And then there's branding, there's brand design, which I think the, the, the broader public understands as brand. It's like, uh, these are logos, colors, fonts, right? This is how, this is how a brand looks. But it's, it's both those things. It's the inside, it's the positioning, and it's the outside, how you appear to the world. And ideally, those two work hand in hand um, to, you know, make a startup succeed. Yeah, and I think um, in the journey of a startup, there are different situations and different stages where you are concentrating on your brand. It's often at the beginning, quickly, or not at all, like you mentioned before. And then I'd say at a later stage where we really want to professionalize everything and you want to show that you have grown and that you are a big brand yourself and that you are trustworthy. And um, in your experience, what are like the different stages where you have to think about the brand? Well, you always think about brand, of course, every waking hour. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I I'd say so. Let's let's see it this way. So there's different. There are different um, stages of maturity when it comes to a startup. Let's say uh, let's uh, make it very simple and say you start in the idea stage, right? You have an idea. You're maybe not working full time on it yet. You're 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 playing this idea around a bit and validating with the market if this idea is actually viable. Then you you might go out and fully commit to your startup, go on full time, raise some money, for example, go on a crowdfunding or angel round, and you produce an MVP, a minimum viable product, and you go out to the market and validate your product market fit. And then we're going into a moment of growth. This is usually when a company Like in this very easy, simplified story, this is usually when a company um, raises a Series A and really wants to move into big growth um, in the market. And then we're going towards maturity, right? I'd see like these are like four simple stages of a startup life. And um, I would say that before, before you go into the MVP stage, this is usually when the startup... Um, is doing everything themselves, right? They have the very first name somebody came up with when they went to a bar and they wrote it on a napkin, like, how about we try this name? And it's usually very descriptive and not easy to trademark. And anyways, we're going with that name. I like blue, you like blue too. Okay, fantastic. So it's going to be blue. And um, I can draw a little bit. I make a logo. Maybe you ask your cousin, right? This is kind of the stage. And it's fantastic. And I would do it the same way um, if I were a startup founder in the idea stage. When they go into MVP, so when they like um, 
actually uh, going out to the market with the first iteration of their product or service or whatever it is that they're actually um, yeah, producing for the market, they usually go a bit more into maturity there, right? They might have a second iteration. They might start hiring a freelancer or talking to a smaller agency like, oh, this was our do-it-yourself logo. Could you, could you fix this up a little bit for us? And that's also completely fine, right? Because in the end, at the MVP stage, this is really about the problem you're solving. Your branding is not a priority at the moment. But as soon as you start to get ready for growth, as soon as you're ready to really get focused, to really um, streamline your efforts, really make an effort into uh, marketing and sales, this is usually the time where I would recommend get more serious about it, um, hire experts and um, yeah, who are really, really good at their job, who can really guide you through um, positioning, really figuring out what it is that you want to stand for in the market. And that can really help you craft a very unique brand because you're going to need that. All your marketing efforts going to be a lot easier, uh, a lot more fruitful when, when your brand is is uh, yeah done professionally at this point but these are like the the different stages and maturity of course this is usually um when we see just another rebrand it's very common for startups to go through three or four even five iterations of rebrands um at at the different stages of their startup this is when they become like a bigger player a mainstream player a household brand uh, so we do usually see some type of professionalization also at this point. And I think that's um, very interesting also what you said about positioning, because positioning is also something that we um, are working with a lot and that we always try to combine with the brand if there is already a brand strategy and a brand positioning. But in um, most cases, there isn't really um, I'd say it's more like a mission and vision statement and <laughs> maybe a customer value proposition and that's it. Um, and But I think it's it's very important um, also for the communications afterwards. So I'm really interested in how um, you build up the positioning and how you work together with startups to create that positioning. Maybe you can enlighten us a bit here. Of course, I would say Let's start with what is positioning anyways, okay? <laughs> Let's get some groundwork done before we go into how to do it. So when we talk about positioning, let's, um, let's think about a metaphor, right? Let's think about, um, let's put ourselves into a flea market. Have you ever been to a flea market around? <laughs> so like Saturday yeah. morning, it's cold, all the vendors are out, everybody has their little booths and tables going. And you go to one of those tables and you find a vase. All right. It looks interesting. It's kind of old, has some ornaments on it. And then you start haggling for the price. What do you think you're going to pay for that vase, Karina? Maybe like 15 euros. All right. Fantastic. You probably haggle a little bit. Vendor says 20. You, you buy it for 17. Fantastic. And now let's imagine we go to an auction house. Really fancy place right? White tablecloth. There is a person at the entrance taking your name, giving you a little name tag. Um, you go into the room, a lot of fancy people there around with you wearing their suits and jackets and dresses. And um, you are very surprised when you see at this very auction, 
and vase that looks very similar like the one you bought at the flea market, you know? What do you think a vase is worth? What's the value of the exact same thing at, in a different context, right? You might end up spending, um, I don't know, 500,000, a million on a vase in a different context. And positioning is, is very much the same thing, right? It's context setting for your brand. And context really is the thing that gives you, yeah, helps you attribute value to something because the same vase in the flea market has a different value than the one in the auction house, even though it is the same vase, right? And this is very much how um, how positioning works in the end. So yeah, people try to make the topic of, yeah. So maybe <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's um it's great to see it like with an everyday example and to really understand, ha huh, yeah, the context is different. So I understand that this product, that this brand, that this company, whatever it is, it gives me a different feeling, it gives me gives me a different sense of, of, of value that is attached to that, right? It solves a different problem for me. Um, you know, um, from different standpoints. And this is very much how positioning works in the end as well. So it's a very powerful tool that we have at our disposal, but we really need to understand how it actually works and what goes into it. And people treat positioning sometimes like, oh, this is just a tagline. This is just some marketing claim. This is something I put on the website. In the end, positioning is a means to an end. And we, we do positioning very deliberately as a process because we're creating a unique and differentiated image of the brand in the minds of the consumers because this is where the brand actually lives. And Karina, if you don't mind, let's do another test, right? Let's figure this out. If I say to you Coca-Cola, for example, what is it that you're thinking? What comes to your mind? I think the bottle with like the red ribbon around it yeah, fantastic. What else? Give me more. Um, and I think it was, it's in some of our presentations because I think it's like one of the most valuable brands. So this is why I already have the logo in mind, um, but also um, a lot of their advertising. I think it's around happiness or they had like this happiness campaign. Oh, and the polar beer. Mm -hmm. I think this is also polar a very princess. great icon of Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And see, this is this is it. In the end, this 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 is what we're doing. We're crafting the intended brand image. And the image are sometimes just four or five words. You know, like you just said, it's happiness, it's the polar bear, right? It's Christmas, it's, it's family, it's fun, right? And it, this is this is what positioning can do. So in the end, there's two things, right? There's the brand that lives in the in the brains of the consumers. And, and there's the company that tries with positioning to reinforce this image in a way that is useful for them. And this is what we do with positioning. We craft, very deliberately craft, this image that we want to be perceived as. And if you don't do that, right, if you don't do the work of deliberately positioning your brand, there will be some perception anyways. Right? Consumers will have an opinion about you. They will have those four or five words they attribute to you. But are these the four or five words you want them to be? 
or not? And that's the question. Um, will they think uh, about your brand in a way that is useful for you, that is differentiated from the market, that really positions you strongly in the market? Or will it be like, hmm, I don't know, my friend used it once, they didn't really like it much, right? <laughs> what is it that the people think about you anyway? It's in the end. So this is, um, so this is like, I think, a, a great metaphor for thinking about what positioning really is. But you asked me at the beginning, so now that we figure out what positioning is, is like, um, yeah, it's the positioning is the process of creating a unique and differentiated image of a brand in the minds of the consumers. This is what positioning is. And how do we do it then? <laughs> right? This is what you asked me. How do you go about positioning? In the end, you will have to answer to um, three different questions <laughs> and uh, three different perspectives. And you collect a lot of data and a lot of evidence to help you support answering these uh, three questions. And these are, is it something you can authentically stand for and own as a company? Right? You, you think about, for example, here Coca-Cola is the example we had. Who are they as people? What is their heritage? What is their location? Who are the people who work there? What is the company culture? What are their values? Um, what are the inner workings of that company? And what can they authentically stand for and own in the marketplace? And then you look at a second perspective, which is the one of the consumers. The customers or clients, depending if you're B2B or a B2C company, and you ask, is it something they increasingly want? Right? Is it you have to really figure out are these the type of customers you want to serve? And what is it that they increasingly want? And is it something you can give them? And it's an incredibly important step that is often um, yeah. People shy away from talking to customers and really asking them what they need, want, or desire because they think it's a very open process and makes them vulnerable. But anyhow, that's the second question. And as a, then you look at the third side, which is the competition. And you ask, is it something you can deliver better or differently from the competitors? And um, after you have looked at those three sides, you know, it's also called the three C's. It's company, um, uh, customer, and competition. In the overlap of those three, this is where you find positioning. And it's a lot of hard work to go there, right? Because you first, you collect a lot of data, you have a lot of insights about insights about the company, who they are, and company culture, how they see the brand, how they see the business, what type of people they are, their personality, the founder story. You have a lot of data about um, the ideal customers, right? You have, you have done interviews and research, and maybe in the product, you have some data as well to look at. And then you have data about the competitors, some keyword analysis, for example, and anything you found out in the customer interviews that they have said about the competitors and how they are perceived in the market, right? There's a lot of data and a lot of insights. And then the positioning work in the end is making some really hard decisions, what you want to ignore. <laughs> you look at this big map, right, of insights and positioning really is deciding what not to do. What are we ignoring? What are we leaving behind? What makes us um, generic? What makes us boring? How are we just points of parity and not points of uniqueness here, right? You look at your weaknesses. Sometimes you can even position on your weaknesses and turn them, reframe them and turn them into something positive. And yeah, that's the, and, and that takes, is actually an art. 
There's a bit of science in it, but positioning work is a lot of art. Going into these insights and really crafting a unique story there in the middle that is not convoluted. Because positioning can't be a 15-page PowerPoint documentation, right? Nobody's going to be interested in that. Positioning has to be something you said earlier, Karina, when I asked you, what do you think when, when, when I say Coca-Cola, right? These are just a few words. It's very easy to grasp. It's very easy to understand. You can tell this to everybody in your company. It will be very easy for them to understand that, ah, these are the things that make us unique in the market. Fantastic. That's what we want to stand for. So it has to be very easy language and um, very easy to communicate internally and externally. And it's very hard work <laughs> to summarize that. So a lot of there's a research phase, and then there's an actual strategy phase where you you have to make a couple hard decisions. And when you are making these decisions, and you are in the process, what people do you need from the company? So I can imagine it's not just the brand and marketing manager. I can imagine you also need the CEO. It depends, of course, at the stage of the startup, like we discussed earlier, because at the beginning, of course, it is definitely uh, the CEO. But uh, later on, who do you involve in the process? So in the strategy phase, while we're actually... Um, so let's say it this way. There's a, the, the first phase is diagnosis, like at the doctor, right? You go in and diagnose what the problem is. Then you have a strategy phase and then there's a tactics phase. And they all inform each other. And, and then in the diagnosis stage, this is where we go out and collect all that evidence, right? We, uh, we, we gather data, um, we, we do market research interviews, um, focus groups, loyalist interviews, and so on. This is where we can involve a bigger team. Um, we can do an employee survey and actually ask every single person uh, working at the company how they perceive the brand, what their, you know, what their um, identity is, um, what, you know, what their unique perspective on the brand is. This is when we can, uh, let's say, uh, involve a bigger team at the diagnosis stage. But at the strategy phase, you know, like when we stand across from a wall with 100 insights and make those hard decisions, what we want to stand for and what we don't want to stand for, this is when I only talk to the big decision makers in the company. And these are usually the co-founders or executives and nobody else. It's a big decision. Branding work goes into the very core of the business, right? This is not a marketing exercise. This is what do we want to stand for? What do we want to be known for? How do we want to be positioned in the market? And therefore, there should only be um, the, yeah, the people who have to hold up the responsibility in the business as well. So I, I usually have two or three co-founders in there and maximum allowing the CMO of the company to be present at this moment. It's a very important decision. And having too many people in the room can dilute the, the responsibility. And having the wrong people in the room is also difficult because then you have done you know, all this amazing work of positioning and who has to carry this positioning in the company, right? Who will be responsible for yeah, holding, holding the line um, and making sure everybody follows. And there's got to be people who also carry a lot of responsibility. So uh, I only do um, strategy with executives in the room and uh, never without. Yeah, great. Thank you very much for all the valuable insights. It was really great to hear your point of view and all the 
um, interesting information about branding, positioning, and the brand itself. So where can startups reach out to you? Where are you? What are you doing? Where can they find you? Uh, they find me anywhere. Um, I think the easiest way to um, reach out to me and also like um, see, uh, learn about my thinking and uh, the way um, yeah, we, we interact with companies is on LinkedIn. Find me there. My name is Victoria Gassman. It's Victoria, Victoria with a C and Gassman with two S's and two N's. And you probably find me in the show notes as well. And this, this is probably the easiest way to uh, like um, do some low-level stalking and find out who I am. If you're super excited, um, reach out to hello at phoenixbrands.co and write me an email there. I'm really curious um, what your journey is and how we can help you with the positioning. Perfect. Thanks very much, Victoria. Thank you very much, Karina. So how did you like the episode? Did you know that we do a somersault in our office for every review? So if you want to trigger this effect, just leave us one. We are looking forward to it. And we also welcome your comments and feedback at LinkedIn, Instagram or via email at podcast at startup-communication.de.